The Christmas season has always been my favorite time of the year. And one of the reasons I love it is the music. I'm one of those people that will put my radio on a Christmas channel and listen all the way through December to the songs of Christmas. Now, I am not an indiscriminate fan of Christmas music. Some Christmas music is really bad. And some is just confusing. Like, have you ever figured out what really happened the night Jesus was born regarding sound level? One song says it was a silent night. Another song says cattle were lowing. And one song says some kids showed up and did a drum solo. So I have no clue how loud it was the night Jesus was born. And some Christmas songs are just annoying. Don't get me started on Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. Or how about this? You're at your house. It's late at night. You're in your pajamas, about to go to bed, and the doorbell rings. And you go and open the door, and there on your porch are some strangers, uninvited, singing, We wish you a Merry Christmas. Well, that's nice. But then they get rude and say, Now bring us some figgy pudding. Well, first off, I don't have any figgy pudding because I'm having a Merry Christmas. The two don't go together. And then you get downright rude and start singing, We won't leave until we get some. Now, you're being obnoxious and I'm calling the police. Because I don't have figgy pudding. Get off my porch. But I would also contend that some of the most gospel drenched, theologically brilliant songs ever written are Christmas hymns. Sometimes we are so familiar with them and we sing them so uh, flippantly that we don't realize the depth of what we're actually singing. So this December, listen again when you hear, O little town of Bethlehem, or joy to the world, or O holy night. What you are actually saying. If we were to have a debate about the greatest Christmas hymn of all time, I'm sure it would get intense. I'm going to share my vote. I would vote for the oldest Christmas carol of all because it's in the new testament in fact it might be some of the oldest words in the new testament not the first words written but it's a song that the early christians started singing very very early in the days of the church about the coming of jesus it's in the book of philippians if you have a print bible you'll notice it's in verse form because Paul is quoting a popular song. And I think it's the greatest Christmas song ever. And it goes like this. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And so the next few weeks, I'm going to share with you just some verses that talk about who got invited to the most important birthday ever. But the most important person at the party was the birthday boy himself. That Christmas is all about who? Now, here, here's what I mean. 
Every religion is trying to answer the basic question, how can a man get to God? But behind that question is an even deeper and more important question. Who is this God that men need to get to? And Christmas answers that question like no other religion ever has or ever will. Because other faiths teach basically that God is above and God is alone and God is basically aloof. But Christianity says God comes. More than that, Christmas says God stoops. Look again at the first verse of the song. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. That is so foreign to basic human nature. We're by nature clingers and clutchers. We want to hold on to anything. That we think gives us an advantage. I heard a story of a man walking downtown and a rather shabbily dressed fellow walked up to him and said, Could you give a guy $10 for a meal? And the first man says, How do I know if I gave you $10 you wouldn't go buy booze? And the other guy says, Oh no, sir, I gave up drinking. Well, how do I know if I gave you $10 you wouldn't go gamble with it? Sir, I need every dollar I can just to survive. I don't gamble anymore. You might take this money and buy a green fee to go play golf. Are you kidding me? I haven't been able to play golf in over 20 years. First man says, I'm not going to give you $10. I'm going to take you home and my wife is going to cook a wonderful meal for you. And the second guy said, you sure that's a good idea? She might be furious. I'm dirty and I smell bad. And the first man says, no, my wife needs to see what a man looks like that gives up booze and gambling and golf. Okay. Here's the point. We don't mind giving. It's giving up that bothers us. Now, I'll be generous at Christmas. I'll give people I love nice presents. I don't mind giving. But I'm not giving up control, security. I'm not giving up my privilege or the advantages that my Station in life affords me. You see, the very first Christmas is bigger than giving. It's about God being willing to give up. The first Adam was a clutcher, an ascender. He wanted to go and grab likeness to God. And so in Bethlehem, a second Adam was born. Who descended and let go. He didn't consider equality with God something to cling to. This is who Christmas is about. The God who chose the greatest emotion in history. If you try to explain our faith to any other religion in the world, they would say, who did what? Well, let's explain. Who came to us? Remember, the son existed before the child was born. Christmas is not the beginning of Jesus. 
It is the beginning of God among us in the person of Jesus. Now, God, by his nature, reveals himself through creation and through scripture. But the most perfect, the most complete, the most sufficient revelation God has ever given of himself came to Bethlehem. Paul says in Colossians that Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. The prophets called him Emmanuel, God with us. That's who Jesus is. And this is so foreign to how most faiths think about God. In most religions, God is not just above, but He is fixed. He's stationary. He's unmovable. But Christmas says, God comes. That the God of the Bible hits the road. He said to Abraham, I will be with you. He said to Moses and to Israel, I will go with you. But the most incredible journey God ever took was to a manger. Again, remember, most religions are answering the question, how can a man get to God? But Christianity, and especially Christmas, tells of a God who came to us. A God that is above us, but He would not remain aloof from us. John puts it like this. So the Word became human. And He made His home among us. It's not just that God came our way. It's the way He came. And we've heard this so much, we have forgotten what a radical statement this is. There are places in the world today that if you proclaim... God became human, you will be called a blasphemer. And you might even get executed. But Christianity says, who really did come down to earth? Because it didn't just come to us. Who became like us? And this separates Christianity from all the other religions. You've heard me say this before. Someone who says all religions are basically the same really hasn't studied all religions. Christianity makes a claim about God that is completely unique. It is radical. It is, in many ways, preposterous. Christmas says that God was once a single cell. That God was a fertilized egg. Surrounded by amniotic sac. In the womb of a virgin. That the infinite became finite. That the invisible became visible. That the omnipresent squeezed himself into an embryo. Do you realize what we're saying here? 
that if you believe the Christmas story, then you believe that the one who spoke the universe into existence had to learn how to talk. That the one that moves history had to learn how to walk. That the one that holds the cosmos together was so frail he had to be held just so he could survive. And everything hinges on this claim. Why, in the early days of the church, some thought it was just too crazy. So they started saying, yeah, Jesus showed up, but there's no way he was actually a man. God would not go that far. And John said, you better test the spirits. Every spirit who confesses that Jesus Christ came to earth as a human is from God. And every spirit who refuses to say this about Jesus is not from God. We're not saying that Jesus was half man and half God. We're claiming a mystery bigger than we can fathom. That Jesus was fully man and fully God. He didn't relinquish His divine nature. But he did relinquish his divine glory. He divested himself of certain divine attributes. And as long as he was among us as a man, he never reclaimed them for his own comfort or advantage. What that means is there were nights that Jesus went to bed and his stomach growled because he was a poor man and he was hungry. And he wished he had another blanket because he was cold. And if he stepped on a sharp rock, his foot cut and bled just like yours would. And at the end of a long, long day of walking and teaching, he yawned a lot because he was just so bone tired. That's one reason the Bible says he's a faithful high priest. And we can go and we can talk to Him. Because He fully immersed Himself in the frailty of humanness. And so when life is hard and it hurts, you can talk to Jesus. Because He's been there. No other religion tells you about a God like this. No other religion even dares to conceive that God was once conceived. But He didn't come just to understand what it's like to be human. He didn't come just to empathize with our plight. He became visible and touchable because God had to become perishable. 
I told you our Christmas carols are drenched in gospel. You sang it just a moment ago. Mild. He lay His glory by. Born. That man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. Because it didn't just come to us or become like us. Who came for us? And this is where Christmas gets offensive. Because the common narrative that we are told in our culture is that I'm okay and you're okay. We're all carriers of our own truth. We just have to look inside and we're all getting a little better every day. If I'm okay... And you're okay. We would have never heard of Bethlehem. Christmas is an indictment on the human condition. We like to think that we're basically good people and we just need a little polish. Here's the truth. Jesus came not because we needed repairing. He came because we needed redeeming. Paul says, Galatians 1, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of God our Father. It was the greatest moral dilemma of all history. God loves his kids, but he's too holy to be in the presence of sin and his kids have rebelled. How does God save his kids and not compromise his holiness? You can't be sinful in the presence of God. You die. The wages of sin is death. Someone has got to die for the kids' sins. Either the kids or a sinless substitute. The solution couldn't be spoken. It had to be suffered. And Bethlehem saw the arrival of a god Who would do that? Remember what the angel told Joseph. That Mary would give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Yeshua. Why that name? Why the name God saves? Because that's what he came to do. He will save his people. Not from their enemies. Not from their problems. He will save his people from their sins. Jesus didn't come to be your life coach. He didn't come to give you good advice. He came because you needed to be rescued. He came because we needed to be saved from our sins. Everyone loves Jesus as long as he's just a moralist. Well, let me be clear. You're not a Christian because you admire what Jesus taught and you want to emulate his teachings. You're a Christian because you have recognized and admitted your fallenness and your brokenness, your rebellion against God, and you have asked and surrendered your heart to Him, begging Him to wash you in His blood and cover you in His righteousness. That's what makes you a Christian. Paul said that God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become The righteousness of God. Who is this God? 
He would come to earth. Would God do that? Not just that. He would come as a man. Would God go that far? Not just that. He would come as a servant. But if that's as far as God came, He would not have come far enough. We could never hope to be where God is if He was not willing to go where only we deserve to be. So who humbled Himself and became obedient to death? You're not obedient to death. It is a necessity for you. He chose it. He would not reclaim His glory until He had done everything He had to do to reclaim us. Peter puts it this bluntly. He personally carried our sins in His body. That's why there was an incarnation. You needed a substitute. He carried them to the cross. This is who is lying in the manger. This is why Christmas is a big deal. Because it's not just answering the question, how does a man get to God? It's answering the bigger question, who is this God that we need to reconnect with? Listen to Max Licato. Consider the gift for a moment, what Jesus really did. He swapped a spotless castle for a grimy stable. He exchanged the worship of angels for the company of killers. He could hold the universe in the palm of his hand, but he gave it up to float in the womb of a maiden. If you were God, would you sleep on straw, nurse from a breast, and be clothed in a diaper? Christ did. If you knew that only a few would care that you came, would you still come? If you knew those you love would laugh in your face, would you still care? If you knew the tongues you made would mock you, the mouths you made would spit on you, the hands you made would crucify you, would you still make them? Christ did. He humbled Himself. He went from commanding angels to sleeping in the straw, from holding stars to clutching Mary's finger. The palm that held the universe took the nail of a soldier. Why? Because that's what love does. It puts the beloved before itself. Your soul was more important than his blood. Your eternal life was more important than his earthly life. Your place in heaven was more important than his place in heaven. So he gave up his. So you could have yours. Christmas is not about giving. It's about God giving up. He stooped in love and humbled himself. This was not out of character for him. This was not unusual. He didn't humble himself despite being God. 
He humbled Himself because He is God. And this is the kind of God that He is. This is who God is, is what the manger screams. You see, Christmas challenges the commonly held narrative that if there is a God, He's way out there. He's a long way away. And He's really ticked. And you better find out what you can do to appease Him. No. Christmas says God is humble. And God is kind. And God came looking for you before you ever thought about looking for Him. Christmas says there is a God who was willing to become less so that heaven could have more. He stooped. And showed up in a manger. And that was just the beginning of a life of stooping. You ever noticed how much Jesus stooped? He stooped to embrace kids. He stooped to pull Peter out of the water. He stooped to look into the eyes of an adulteress. He stooped. To wash the feet of those that should have washed his feet. He stooped to pick up and carry a beam he would get nailed to. Because Jesus is God, and God is love. And love stoops. Came across a website of a man named Roger Kaiser. Abandoned as a little boy by his parents. He spent all his life growing up in some horrible situations in foster care and orphanages. And he writes to help people understand what life is like for children like that. And one of his most poignant stories... He said it was Christmas season and all the kids at his orphanage were excited to go to downtown Jacksonville, the Mayflower Hotel for a special Christmas program for kids without families. He was so excited to get to eat on a real plate and it had meat on it and vegetables. And he thought, tonight my stomach won't hurt when I go to bed. But the best part wasn't the food or the play. It was when Santa Claus walked in. And all the kids jumped up and screamed, but not Roger's table. Because Mrs. Winters had said, you kids behave yourself or I will march you right out of here. But Roger could barely contain the excitement inside. And it came time for his table to get up and walk up to the podium. Santa Claus was giving every child a gift. And Roger was so excited that when he got to Santa Claus, he tripped. And heard, stop holding things up, Kaiser. And he was pulling himself up. And I don't know what motivated him to suddenly say, 
Santa, could I hug you? And when those words came out of his mouth, he felt a hand grasp his collar and jerk him up. That's enough, Kaiser. And she marched him right off the stage. His presence still up by Santa's chair. And he went back to his table and did what little boys often try to do. Not let anybody see that he was crying. And the program was over and they were herding everybody back to the bus. And he was about to get on when he heard. Ho, ho, ho. And it was Santa. Running after him. And Santa Claus reached little Roger. And got down on his knees. And gave him the longest, hardest hug that orphan boy had ever had. And he gave him a present. And said, you're a good kid. And Roger Kaiser wrote, And on that day I saw something maybe no one else has ever seen. I looked into Santa's face. And I saw that he had been crying. I don't know if you've ever seen Santa stoop. But if you know Jesus, you've seen God. Christmas says God loved you so much He stooped so that you could look into His face and know who He really is. See, Jesus didn't come to change God's mind about us. He came to change our minds about God. Christmas is God wanting you to know who He really is. Because if you know who God is, it will change who you are forever. Would you bow your heads with me? Oh God, I just feel in my spirit right now that somebody here today needs this word. Would you drill down deep into their heart, Holy Spirit, the truth that you are the God willing to humble himself so that we can see your face, so that we can know your heart, not be afraid, but know we're loved. So help us, God, today to get the real story right. Help us. Help us to know the God that stoops. For Jesus' sake. Amen.